Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic, exciting episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners, like you, are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, our small business owners, our local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others create their businesses and the do-it-yourselfers who like to run your own businesses, have your own hands on the levers as you do your marketing and you win at the game of business and marketing. If you are one or more of the above, please explore episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and discover how we help you. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. And we have over 150 episodes going back three years with a plethora of topics, a plethora of some of the names you know and some of the names you're getting to know, including some people you'll meet for the first time. We have a lot of hidden gems that are just rising to the surface, and we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to take advantage of this opportunity to grow your business. And sometimes I repeat words twice or three times in the same sentence because that's just how I do things. Now, today, we are going to have one of our very interesting interviews where I interview somebody who I think of as sort of a, um, not a competitor, uh, but a cooperator. I, I don't know how to pronounce that word. It's the idea of cooperation. Uh, we at the Business Creators Institute, we do work with our select group of titanium clients working on conversion funnels, conversion strategies, upsell strategies, uh, how to help you win the game of business and marketing. And we love to have other people on the Business Creators Radio Show who work in a similar line of business who can bring a fresh perspective to things. I'm a big believer in the law of abundance. I believe that there's more than enough for everybody, and I believe that we can help more people when we do it together than when we go off in our own little corners and try and do it on our own. I, just the on-your-own approach doesn't work. And this is, an introvert, this is an introvert talking, so you know I mean it. And today, I am especially thrilled, especially thrilled to have with us Justin Christensen, of Conversion Fanatics, one of those names you probably know. But let me just tell you a brief bit about Justin before we have him tell a little bit about his own story. Justin, as you may know, is a 14-year digital marketing veteran and number one best-selling author of Conversion Fanatic, How to Double Your, Con- excuse me, How to Double Your Customers, Sales and Profits with A-B Testing. He is also the co-founder and president of Conversion Fanatics, which is a full-service conversion rate optimization company, which helps companies get more out of their digital traffic efforts. Justin, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure All to right. be here. You bet, you bet. Uh, it's going to be a very action-packed hour. It's going to go really quick. We have a lot that Justin's going to share with us on the topic of getting and keeping a conf- competitive advantage in today's very noisy digital world, but there are normally two questions I ask before we dive into that. And the first is, Justin, you know, I think a lot of us know who you are. Most people in our audience have heard of Conversion Fanatics. I know that I've heard of you for some time myself, and in fact, 
whether you remember this or not, you and I have actually been on a few discussion threads and some discussion groups together. It's, you know, it's a very small world. Uh, but what I would like to know is just a little bit more about, you know, your journey and what's brought you to this point where you're, you're in a section of your brilliance and passion helping business creators with what you do. Well, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. Yeah. Uh, my dad was entrepreneurial, still still is, you know, kind of moved up the ranks. I uh, actually went to tech school out of high school and uh, quickly realized that I didn't want to work manual labor right. uh, for 80 hours a week. Right. And uh, so I found network, mar network marketing of all things and uh, then quickly figured out that I didn't want to do the belly-to-belly -belly thing, so I found the Internet. Right. And uh, to generate leads and moved up the ranks of affiliate marketing, had a large er info publishing company and sold it in '09. And during my tenure there, I had uh, published a lot of information about testing and optimization. And I'd always been dabbled in testing and figuring out why people do what it is they do uh, when they interact with websites and you know shop online. Uh, so based on demand. Uh, I kind of started some private consulting, and as we progressed with that, more and more people kept asking me to just do it for them. Um, so out of demand is basically where Conversion Fanatics was born. Yeah, and you know what I've discovered, especially in the area of marketing, is when you're selling marketing services, uh, there are some great marketing consultants out there. In fact, I have marketing consultants that I pay from time to time to look at my own business from the outside in so that I don't get trapped in my own tunnel vision. But I found it myself very challenging sometimes to sell marketing consulting. I offer it, uh, and I do a lot of it actually, but most of it comes through my relationships with my VIP titanium clients and when I do a la carte stuff, for instance, I have one client that she's an internationally recognized published author of a book called Unstoppable. And uh, her organization every so often brings me in to train their new crop of interns. They get new interns every quarter who handle the marketing. So I do an orientation session with them through Skype on how to manage the Infusionsoft, how to manage the website, how to work on the funnels, you know, some of the stuff that you do. And, uh, and then, and, then, uh, and then I'm available for any time they get in the jam with their membership site or something and they need some, somebody to brainstorm with them over a strategy. And I have other clients that come to me like every three months. Uh, we have a few clients that come every quarter because they do a launch every quarter and we oversee that. Uh, but what I found is that in the world of marketing, when you offer a service where you take the stress out of the person's hands and you make it a lot easier so they don't have to worry as much and they don't have to try and figure out all the techno mumbo jumbo and, and Infusionsoft and Aweber and all this other stuff, that you deliver a much more valuable product. Uh, so that's one of the things I love about the company that you have, which is Conversion Fanatics, which is you have all the done-for-you A-B testing and optimization, and you have all that stuff nailed. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, there is one other question we asked. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I know. And you probably discovered that, too, that people are willing to pay you uh, a, a very handsome sum just to not have to try and figure out how to use Infusionsoft's uh, funnel builder or whatever system you use. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you use Infusionsoft or one of the other competitors or something like that, but a lot of them have the thing where you can actually build the funnel and create the action steps and the tags and the follow-ups and the ad trackers and everything else 
And uh, that, I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, put up together an eight-part email sequence and make sure each one of them is ad tracked so we know where the sales come from. But just creating those individual ad trackers, like if you're using one shopping cart and using the ad tracker functionality, it's easy. And yes, a caveman could do it, but a caveman, even a fast caveman, is going to spend a lot of time doing it because there's a lot of moving parts. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and because you guys take the stress out of that, and you have the ability to set up the A-B test and, and analyze and show them what really is the best strategy for them to grow their business, that's what makes you guys brilliant. Now, I have a funny feeling I might have already you know, helped you partially answer this question, but we do ask it of everybody, so here goes. And I'm going to do the drum roll, which our audience comes to expect and my cats get excited over. Justin, here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement, anything that they need to do in their business except for time and money. Now, as I said, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show. What I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So, Justin, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, it's either takes time or it takes money. Um, right. You know, that's that's really what it boils down to. And both are extremely important. Either you're going to spend a whole lot of time and not much money on it, right. or you're going to spend money on it and less time. So right. um, what we're going to share today, I mean, we really try to streamline that process so you don't have to shell out a lot of extra money, say, on advertising but to get more out of that advertising, both buying you time and essentially more profits and revenue for your business. Exactly, exactly. So thank you very much for that. Now, before we get into uh, some of the specific stuff of the how-tos of getting that competitive advantage, there is something that I love to talk about, and I'm so glad that uh, you're going to have the ability to share some of this with us today. Um, now, it's great to have conversion funnels. It's great to have A-B tests, and it's great to know how to write great email copy. But in order to really reach your prospect, your customer, your fan, your follower in the place where they are to persuade them to take the action that benefits them, uh, you need to be able to effectively persuade them. So where I actually like to start, Justin, is where some of the principles of persuasion come into play in helping people increase their, increase their, uh, their conversions. Well, I mean, in persuasion, really, it just comes down to the psychology of it. And people right. really only buy or take action for two specific reasons, and that is to avoid pain or gain pleasure. So okay. when you really boil down every single transaction in the world around that, um, you know, the pain and pleasure point, um, it's much easier to persuade you know, kind of using that term loosely, even though, you know, like Robert Cialdini uses it exclusively uh, for influence. Um, but you need to just really focus on what those pain and pleasure points is. And then if you can back up your product features, your product benefits to appealing to that particular market or that particular audience and nailing down exactly who they are, what they're looking for, what their pain points are, why they do certain things, it's much easier to get them to take the desired actions that you want them to take. Right. What do you find most effective in finding out what those pain points are? What are some of the tactics that you use? 
oh, looking at other people that are selling things in the marketplace. Okay. Um, really gathering more analytical data, qualitative data um, about your visitors, you know, survey information. Maybe you have a list already. Simply asking them. Um, right. I know many people don't necessarily always like the answers <laughs> that uh -huh. they get and want to put that in front of put that in front of their visitors uh, or put that in front of their already you know the, their leads or their lists or anything like that. They don't really want the feedback, but it's crucial because if you don't ask them, they can't tell you, and they're going to tell you exactly what they want, what they don't like, what they like if you ask it in the right way. So gathering all of that intel, figuring out what's already selling in the marketplace and how your product differentiates is, is, is different from the rest out there and what specific things that you solve that other things don't. Right. So as I see it, as I see it, uh, and I want to point out something that you mentioned, I want to make sure everybody hears, is people are sometimes reluctant to, say, do a survey with their list or to put out on social media, hey, guys, what do you think about X? Because they have their preconceived notion about what they believe their audience wants or what they themselves want to do. And it's great to want to do things, but it's also great to have things that will convert that people will invest in. Uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, was a web developer for many, many years. He's actually since moved out of marketing altogether. But back when he was a web developer, he had this company come to them. And basically, the offer they made was, uh, hey, uh, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to share in the revenues of our membership program. Uh, and we we're wondering if we could uh, interest you in building a custom membership site for us in exchange for a piece of the company, uh, which, you know, Sometimes it's a legit offer, but a lot of times translates into, we actually don't have two dimes to rub together, nor do we have a clue, but we'd like to have a membership site. And he asked these yeah. folks one question that was very tough for them. He asked them, how many members do you have? Uh, because they said they were telling him what a great program it is. It's an awesome program. Everybody loves the program. So he said, that's well and good. Everybody loves the program. So how many members do you have? And they said, well, uh, you know, we may be launching in about six months or so, uh, maybe longer, unless you can help with this, this membership site thing. And his very polite suggestion to them was, well, why don't you go out and get some members to pay you? Then you can afford my regular fee for building a membership site. And what will be great is you'll be getting your customers to pay for this instead of trying to do barter deals based on vague future promises. Uh, the the elephant in the mm -hmm. room there, the elephant in the room was that they were so convinced that their program was great that they actually had a fear about finding out how great it really was, like actually going and asking a customer. Uh, the, the story is longer than that, but that's what it really, really comes down to is they were so convinced it was great they were afraid to find out otherwise. Yeah, I see it as this. I mean, in marketing, you can't assume anything. Yeah. You, you can't because what you or I think is going to be great will fall, can oftentimes fall flat. I mean, we've had different scenarios where we were testing different uh, voiceovers for different uh, video messages and things like that. And one particular case, if we would have went with our assumptions, we were all in resounding agreement, like this one's going to be better. That one would have ended up losing like $350,000 over the course of the promotion if we would have just assumed that was going to be the winner instead of testing it to find out just how much impact it actually had. 
Right. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, another example is, and this is just the level of thinking you have to have, is we have another client that even as we speak is getting ready to do a doors open on a launch of a course that they're offering to their list, which is a little bit of a different type of course than they've offered to their list before. Um, I don't want to say, you know, just for confidentiality reasons, I don't want to say like the difference between what this client does day to day and what they're known for internationally versus, and this is somebody who has eight internationally published books. I mean, this is not a fly by night versus the gist of what his new course is. But I can tell you this, um, through the entire product launch formula based pre-launch process, there have been daily check-ins. What are the opt-in rates looking like? Uh, what are the click-throughs looking right? What are the looking like? What are the video views looking like? Um, we're testing this segment versus this segment. We're testing this message versus this message. What's working? What's not working? Are we still going through with this? And we've actually built into the funnel a few graceful exits where we could make it look like he had actually done the complete promotion without actually launching the product if it seemed like uh, things just weren't going to work out. So we've been paying very close attention to that. Furthermore, he's already tested this product on the market. He did a webinar. He offered a version of it to a small group of people. He measured uh, how people responded to it. He did the course already with live people, and he got their feedback on how to develop the recorded product. So as you can see, that's the level of research and putting it out there and being open to finding out that your original preconceived notions may not be the things that will actually sell. Do you need to put into these things before you go to market, but you need to start doing them now? Yeah, absolutely. You just The, the more intel that you can get, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. So uh, let's change topics a little bit and let's go to social media because everybody's talking about these Facebook ads and Twitter ads and how to make things go viral on social media. Uh, I look at my Twitter accounts and I have three Twitter accounts actually and they're, they're all pretty active. Uh, I look at that feed and it's like, what the heck? And how do I stand out in this whole thing? So what are some of the things that we need to consider when we look at how to boost our conversions on social networks like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all them? Um, well, we live in a day and age that everything's social. Everything's out in the open. So it's, it's a day of transparency. Yeah. And I think a lot of it all, it, it really comes down to that. Um, it, it really just comes down to the comes down you know it comes down to uh being uh as you said transparent as it comes down to having a willingness to be open and a willingness to give and receive feedback and basically be social so others might say you know let yeah. you know not be overly salesy might be one thing yeah i mean people really hide behind their computer you know, right. all we see on social media is roses and butterflies and how things <laughs> are going amazingly well for everything. Instead, they don't see the other side of things. And, you know, I see some of the most, the, the realest people on there, the realest companies, the companies that aren't, you know, afraid to just lay it all out there are the ones that get talked about the most, are the ones that have the most interaction, you know, are right. the people that have the most interaction. You know, what, what I am on social media is no different than what I am in real life. Right. You know, I try to keep that balance there instead of hiding behind, you know, a particular company. And it wasn't always the case. 
you know, we used to kind of hide behind our online curtain. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, nobody really didn't didn't know that who I was or behind the scenes other than our close, you know, colleagues or people, you know, close to us. But, um, you know, it's just really getting out there. And I think the more you kind of take it in the realm that it it's kind of like a party um, where you don't just walk into a party and say, hey, you know, I sell this. You here's what I do. You want to buy it. You know, you interact, you find out what other people do, you talk, you get to know people, um, and, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, do all of that stuff instead of just going straight for the throat right. uh, and asking for the sale where I think a lot of people kind of fall short there, you know, looking at even my inbox on Facebook, you know, all of the people saying, oh, we haven't talked in ever, and right. I have this new promotion that's going on. Um, you know, that isn't the way to be social. And, and to actually get impact out of it. Oh, heck, Justin. I walk into networking events. I have my laptop already turned on. I have a folding table. And I'm plugging my square into my laptop as I'm pulling out samples. And I'm saying, hey, everybody, come on over. See what I got. <laughs> okay, so I'm not actually doing that. Uh, but you bring up an interesting point of and, – and this, and this is something that I've wanted to explore for a while is – do you feel when it comes to conversions overall, uh, maybe there's one exact answer, maybe there's some variables to think about, uh, whether a brand that's driven by a human personality versus a brand that's driven by its name or its corporate appearance, which one of those areas do you think has the potential to convert better? I mean, so for instance, are we looking at conversion fanatics as a company versus Justin Christensen as a person? Uh, what are some of the variables we need to think about in terms of which marketing channel considering those two is more likely to grow a business well in terms of business business i've been on both sides of the coin we have okay. a personality a face to it but i think we got to a point where we were capped at the growth that we could have because it was the voice it was the name there wasn't really an asset there um and one thing we've done a little bit different with conversion fanatics is i don't want it to be about me Right. Um, even though, you know, my name's on the book, my, you know, I'm the face of the company if you really get down to it, uh, even though I have an equal business partner that's, you know, not so much in the limelight. But I find that you can build an asset better there, and I think it really depends on a lot of different verticals, you know, what type of products you're selling, because a lot of people want to buy into your notion and your product and your, you know, feedback, your insights rather than a company as a whole. But we've worked really hard at Conversion Fanatics to make it not so much about me and more about us as a team. You know, everybody, we've, we've been very fortunate to have some very smart people on our team that are much better in certain conversion areas than I am. Right. Um, so we kind of bring it as a whole and then in turn we're building up an asset that isn't about me. It's about the collective uh, nature. And I don't, I think you have much more growth potential that way. I guess right. in my, my personal opinion, being on the other side where we really didn't have a, you know, I kind of look at it as a saleable asset. You know, you, if it's just all about you and not about your company, it's harder to sell it maybe one day or have an exit. Right. If that is on your radar, that's one of your goals. But, you know, it's much more appealing when you have the systems, the processes, the people, um, 
and, you know, the brand integrity behind it. Sure, sure. Yeah, and when I look at your website and I go to the page that's, you know, the About Us page, I notice you have a pretty diverse team of organization. Uh, you have a pretty diverse group of people here in terms of their backgrounds and what they bring to the table as far as conversion fanatics. So that's really cool that you have put that all together. And I can just look at this, see how if Justin decides he's going to take a month off or if he decides he wants to sell the company or he decides he wants to go make widgets instead, that conversion fanatics is something that can continue to go on and can continue to serve its customers regardless. Yeah, that's kind of what we have, have tried to build. So right. not one piece is as dependent on the other, you know, other pieces. Right. Um, but as a whole, we can deliver an amazing product. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I've also had the opportunity to actually Google some of the people who are in your organization. I see some of them kind of have their own things going on in addition to being involved with conversion fanatics. So what's really cool about your model is uh, you have people who are actually in the thick of various different things who are all coming together to create something at conversion fanatics that collectively is better than each of its individual parts, which is awesome. Yeah, we, we do uh, leverage some contractors uh, right. in there that come from the marketing background, and we have a lot of, uh, you know, the majority of people I would say are in-house right. um, that just work for us, but um, we do have some because it's just better <laughs> that right. way for our clients to, to leverage certain contractors. Okay. All right. Well, one of my favorite things, and one of the things that I spend a lot of my own time hands-on doing is email marketing campaigns. And what I'd like to get, Justin, is your perspective on uh, what are some of you know, your recommended best practices for getting broadcast emails uh, to be opened, read, and clicked through, understanding that each of those are three separate actions that we're asking our reader to take. Well, I mean, opened is generally the easier one because you only really have one variable. Right. You know, other, if you really just go down to the basics of it and that subject. Um, you know, testing a lot of different subject lines. I spent, oh, a good portion of two years working uh, exclusively with a company that would send over a million um, emails a day. Um, so we would test and segment and break things out a lot. <laughs> um, so we would test, you know, 10 or, tw 10 or 12 different subject lines uh, for the segments just so we can gather intel on how our audience is interacting. Wow. Um, and how the audience was perceiving the information. Um, and we sent a million a day. So it wasn't just like we would broadcast a few times a week. We were sending at least a daily email. Um, to a vast majority of that list, but uh, from it, it is it just comes down to testing a lot of subject lines there. Um, in terms of engaging with it, you know you have to be compelling. You know I see oftentimes, you know even looking at my own inbox, companies that I've engaged with, I get an email from one particular company that I bought some product from every single day with a sale. Every day. Needless wow. to say, I don't open that email anymore. I don't open it anymore. I was going to say that's way um, that's way too much because you know we do a lot of work with ascension and upsell strategies. But holy heck, if somebody just spent five hundred dollars on your home study course, uh, maybe just take a little bit of time and help them get the most out of that course. Because I'm thinking if I've spent five hundred dollars yeah. on a home study course, this is somebody who might be a target 
or a great candidate for VIP coaching. I'm not going to be looking at where can I get my mm-hmm. next $200 out of them. I'm going to be looking where I can get my next $20,000 out of them. And that's probably not going to be just buying new courses every day that are going to become all the more shelf help. Just my two cents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you have to just really engage with it. You got to think about it from you know, not only fulfilling on what it is that they exchange their email address for, right? Whether it be just an ethical ethical bribe or buying a product, but also you know, you have to get them to know, like and trust you. And really hitting on that, I think stories sell extremely well. Um, when we would tell basic stories when we were sending all of those emails, um, we found those to be the most engaging. Testing the the actual layout and styles of your, you know, your email. You know, a lot of people will just go, especially larger companies, will just have this big header HTML image with a bunch of images and click here, calls to action, and they're not putting any context to the actual story right. or the information. Yeah. Um, they're just driving that out. So you got to really put some context and get them to know, like, and trust your company and continually bringing it back to your unique selling proposition. You know, why you're different than everybody else and just constantly reminding them of those benefits and the reason they're there in the first place, whether it's directly or indirectly. You know, uh, this is something, this is something else I'm thinking about is we had, a, we have a client here, really, really great people. Uh, they tend to have uh, more of a corporate type audience. And when we came on board, we were developing some engagement sequences when people opt in for their, their free special reports and such. And in the, in the PS of the very first email the person receives after they opt in, we asked, uh, we asked them, hey, could you please just real quickly write back and just say, got it or received, just to let us know you got it. And he said, well, our audience will never go for that. Mm-hmm. They're going to think that's a sleazy marketing tactic and we're going to get blackballed and everything else. I said, just leave the PS in there. Just try this, please. I mean, I said it nicer than that, but that's what's going through my mind. And when they started within one day getting people saying not only received and got it, but started getting people saying, hey, you know, I saw your website and I have this idea. I'd like to run it by you. Or uh, would you like to be a guest on our upcoming webinar? We're looking for somebody who shares some of the stuff that you share. And they started to see that just – that little action of creating reciprocity in the conversation was leading to business opportunities. Yeah. I mean, we have another client that uh, specializes in info products. Most of what they sell is info products. And we do the same thing with their sequences for people after they opt in. They have people opt in for their freebies and they get a lot. Like, uh, you know, at one point we were running almost 35% of people who were actually doing that, replying to say, Hey, got it. And then I worked with their customer service to implement a policy where they made sure to reply to every received and every got it. Sometimes it's just as simple as, mm-hmm. hey, thanks for letting me know. I'm here for you if you need anything else. Or, uh, or if the person wrote more than just received or got it, actually giving feedback on what they wrote. So people see it's now a conversation. Yep. So then when a searching program or there's a product launch coming up, and I happen to know this particular client does have a product launch coming up, uh, these are people who remember, hey, I wrote them an email and they wrote back. Yeah, it, it's that trust factor. You know, we see so often time 
the no reply at domain name. Oh, my. Um, you can get me going for the rest of the hour there. on that one, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just see it so many times. They're they're so used to getting their, you know, not getting their hopes up or getting, you know, discouraged by different companies. Thankfully, you know, companies like Amazon and, and things like that are kind of bringing up the level as far as, you know, fulfillment and, and all of those things and kind of setting those expectations higher. But on the other side of that, you got to kind of keep up uh, with that game <laughs> that they're playing to, to compete in the marketplace because, but they do, they just want to know that they're taken care of. And one kind of next step on that, that we have used successfully is um, a checkout page. We have tested having a video there of the face of the company or the CEO of the company and saying, Hey, you know, I'm so-and-so CEO of the company. I just wanted to let you know that, you know, here's what you're going to get out of this particular product or here's, you know, we've got whatever, a hundred thousand customers in 60 different countries. And, uh, well, that I personally stand behind all of our products. And if you have any questions, here's how to contact support. Um, and just giving them that outlet saying, you know, here, we're here for you. We're here to help, and if you engage with that, I think um, you know it can have some massive impact. Right. So what we're talking about, Justin, is when they actually go to the checkout page, the same page where they're going to enter their credit card information or what have you, you have a video of the figurehead or the face of the company saying what you just said. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Congratulations on this wise decision. Just wanted to let you know, uh, remind you what you're getting with your investment today. And if you need any help with your order or anything else, here's our support information. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the inside. Just something like that. Yep, something basic. And I actually have a script inside of my book um, for kind of that basic video. I did include it in the book. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's all it really is. And going a step further on the email side, I've seen it very effective to say, hey, reply to this, like we were talking about, as well as just asking some simple questions to kind of go in that ascension model that you were discussing. Right. Is test like a mini survey within the email, have four different links. And I know for a fact, Infusionsoft allows for this very, very easily. Yep, we do it it's all just, the time. Yep, yep, we do it all the time. click on these yeah. answers. Yeah. I love this. I love this yeah, one. Let's, yeah, let's, let's spend 30 seconds on this. I love this one because uh, the idea is, is you send a one-question survey, basically, if we're talking about the same thing. And the question you're asking is something along the lines of, what do you think is the number one reason why cats have hairballs? And then you give four potential reasons why cats have hairballs. And regardless of which one they click, it's going to take them to a video where the next page – you know, have a video on and say something like, hi, I'm Justin Christensen. Uh, I, you know, I was a little surprised when I first asked this question, uh, but it turns out the correct answer, as many of you have actually said, is D. They swallow their own fur when they lick themselves. And now let me introduce to you the revolutionary solution for how I stop yep. my cats from choking and hairballing and have made my cats truly tolerate me as a human being in their house. Because that's the whole idea. Yep. And then yeah. the other side yeah. of that, go ahead. it's just that level of engagement, getting that qualitative feedback, but you're letting them choose the path, um, you know, regardless of what the answer is, but you're letting them choose the path. And then in addition to that, now you can cater specific messages to them based on what they click by simply tagging them in your email, uh, email service provider, and you could actually 
dump them into certain buckets and cater them their marketing message to that specifically, you know, rather than, you know, just getting the information and it allows them to be quote unquote heard right. and, and gives them an outlet um, and kind of lets them choose their own um, path to how you're going to market to them. Yeah. And if you're doing this like a mini campaign, this gives you another testing opportunity, which we did at one time where we did a follow-up email to the same segment the next day. And some of the subject lines we tested included, was I wrong or Justin, you were wrong, or I couldn't believe it when you told me. Because the idea is is to express yep. a level of shock or to trigger the person who had taken the survey, who had seen the survey, to say, wait a minute, y- y- you know, uh, you're telling me I was wrong? What are you talking about I was wrong? The hell with that. Yep. So I'm going to watch that video and find <laughs> out exactly what you're telling me. You know, another thing we found, which is effective when we do webinar registration campaigns, when we do survey campaigns using our own formula is we find that we get great response on the second email we send out. It's because we add two words, two words of the subject line when we send the second email, second notice. Nobody yep. likes, nobody likes to miss the first notice. Nope. And we've done it effectively using upsells too. Um, so after they go through your normal checkout process and maybe you have, just say for sake of example, one upsell and say during the upsell, it's a 40% discount. Right. Um, and the next day, if they click no thanks, they get an email that says second chance or final chance. And you give them one more opportunity to take advantage of that 40% discount, um, just for being a new customer. Um, and it allows you another selling opportunity for them, uh, and it's worked extremely well in a lot of cases. Yeah, another thing another thing that we found is really cool is if you're creating scarcity, uh, but you don't have the technology to support that scarcity, and you want to do an evergreen-type launch or evergreen-type promotion. Uh, I mean, there are softwares that can allow you to create the scarcity where actually will shut down the web page based on how long it's been since you've clicked and all that. But if you haven't invested in that, a very easy thing to say is, um, this is the last time I'm talking about this. It's going to come down any time. Uh, there's a very good chance you click on this link after tonight and it'll be gone. It might still be here, but mm-hmm. uh, why would you not do the short thing and click on it right now? Yeah, exactly. that way you can, that way you can leave it forever because the people who are going to take action are going to say, "Hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to I'm not going to leave it the chance that this might be something they're actually taking down. I better do this." And that's and we find we get a nice last day bump when we do things like that. Now, I have to ask you of uh, if you're able to tell me or if you want to make up something related to it is what is the most what is the craziest, zaniest, incredible subject line you've used? that has worked? Oh, one of them was actually in the golf market that I used a subject line that said nine iron, a buffalo, and some ice cubes. Okay. Was my subject line. And that actually came out of uh, the movie, uh, I can't remember, like uh, one of the Adam Sandler movies. Okay. Um, where he's talking, I talking about that, and uh, it got just a fantastic <laughs> response rate for the curiosity behind it. They're like, "What are you talking about, buffalo and ice cubes?" And we catered the message on the page around kind of that that story. 
uh, around the movie, and it was it worked out extremely well. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's that, and another thing that can also be very effective is using uh, using the title of a movie that just came out, or linking to a current event, or using a name that is a buzzword. Uh, you you know how many. I mean, you know, right now you and I are talking, it's the, the fall of 2016. You know how many emails I get where the subject line is just simply Donald Trump? Oh, too many. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the whole, that's the whole subject line. I mean, and they're, and they're everything from webinar registrations to uh, product launches to book promotions. And I can't tell you the last one that actually had anything to do with him. But uh, they use it because... His name is so electric because he's a presidential candidate uh, that <laughs> that people are going to open it just to see, well, in some cases, just a curiosity factor. Why are they using that subject line? Uh, so uh, some, it's one yeah. of those things that, you know, I also think sometimes people get on the bandwagon with it. You may remember years ago, I believe it was, uh, it was either Frank Kern. Yeah, it was Frank Kern, I believe, who sent out this email on a Saturday night. And the subject line was still up or you up? And next thing you know, Saturday night, five people were asking me if I'm still up. Yep, of course. <laughs> yeah, like, well, if he tested it, it must work. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> one of those things I keep in the grab bag, but I only pull it out very sparingly. Another one that we found um, and is, is effective, especially when we're just getting started with a pre-launch sequence, when we're doing maybe a shot across the bow, is that the subject line is, hi, Justin, so hi, populate first name like hi justin hi adam hi veronica yep. hi michelle because uh, people love you know when you say hi to them sometimes i'll go on facebook at random times and i'll just type as my status update hi and just wait to see who right says hi back yeah one thing one one that we use extremely effectively is uh busy or not interested okay um it it just peaks opportunity and generally will get a response. Um, it could be used for one of those typical reply emails. Right. Um, it's, it's we've used that. And even using as simple as quick question, um, it's, or I need your help. Right. Has, has been very effective as well. Right. Like everybody's right. like, what? You, you need my help? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, pe like people could be saying, they get an email from Justin Christensen. You need my help, but you're the conversion fanatics guy. What do we? What do you need my help with? I yeah. need your help, pal. Uh, but the but the cool thing is, yeah. is when you ask for the help, that creates the engagement, and uh, you mm -hmm. know maybe in many cases you actually end up helping them. Uh, so uh, so another thing I'd like to uh, just you know delve a little bit deeper into is. Uh, because this is something I get a lot of questions about. In fact, uh, one person who heard you're going to be on Business Creators Radio Show asked this question in advance. Is in terms of the structuring of broadcast emails, because this is a place where there's so many people doing it, and you really need to be the one to stand out. Uh, in terms of some of the results you're seeing, is it better to send out your broadcast emails? I'll, I'll give you some of the variables to consider, like HTML versus plain text. Um, should they be in like a framed template with a banner and a gray background and a table that goes down the middle? Should they look like just an ordinary email that you'd send without line breaks? So, you know, just like you typed out of your Gmail or whatever. Uh, you know, what have you seen be some of the, you know, some of the best practices for an email that engages in the sense of just how it's formatted when they click open and they see it? Well, I've seen it go 
a couple different directions, and it really, I know nobody likes the answer that it depends, but it does depend on a lot of different variables, but the majority of the ones that are kind of seeing are HTML disguised as text. Right. So like you're rocking it out of your Gmail um, because people are used to it. They're used to engaging with things like that. They're used to reading things like that. So um, generally keeping it as short as possible. And I have seen in breaking up longer paragraphs, um, I learned from a mentor a long time ago, he called it salting. Um, yep. So very short sentences, short paragraphs, and just uh, you know leading them down the path. Um, of course, we can get an email copy, open loops, you know, paying for your logic, so proper sequences, right. all of that stuff. But right. um, that is what we're talking about. Um, but and then on the other side of it, I've also seen where it's just a video screenshot, um, a quick little blurb, and uh, a call to action button, a giant one. Um, on specifically yeah. what it's going to be. We we have um, a, we have a client testing that, that right. We have a client testing that right now. Big headline hyperlink, video screenshot, button. And it's doing pretty good so far. We're about a week into the campaign, and uh, we've gotten uh, – and, uh, and this is for a $47,000 ask. So you're not exactly going to be getting, like, Mondo online conversions on this. But as far as it being a conversation opener, it's something to trigger people to go watch a page as a video on it. It's performing pretty good. Yeah, I've even done it just a giant – like 16 by 9 style um, image of the video with yeah. the play button in the middle. Um, and then right below it, just one little, you know, two, three sentences, no headline, just video, quick blurb, huge call to action button that can have a, a more in-depth sentence or the main benefit that they're going to get by watching this. It, right. That has been very effective. Um, but for the most part, um, I mean, even if you see our email newsletters that we send out, they're yep. very basic. I mean, it's a few sentences. Check it out here. You know, even our blog notifications, things like that. Right. So basically what you're saying is, like, let's say you're sending, you put a great new post on your blog, and you have a great blog at conversionfinetics.com, by the way. I love your blog. Uh, I, uh, You may send out an email about that saying, hey, I just, you know, we just uh, posted this uh, great article. It's about uh, it's about whether or not donating a portion of your sales to charity can increase conversions. Uh, click here to find out the answer. So something along those lines, uh, mm -hmm. rather than trying to put yep. the whole body of the e of the post into the email. Because this is something I go back and forth with with one of my own clients all the time. Is he argues that when we do the short email that just you know teases with a benefit and it says click here to get the whole story that it's actually hurting his business because it's making them take an extra step but i have the numbers on click-throughs and reads and time on site that show that that's not the case uh and we've tested the version where we just put the whole body of the the text that you know the whole body of the post in the email itself but where do you go from that other than buy now I'd like to yeah, get a I mean, you want, possible. Is that, I mean, is that what your is that what your statistics and your tests have borne up as well? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of the email is to get them to engage and into the next step in the process. Normally, when I add a step, I call that a friction point, and I generally discourage it. But in email marketing, it's the opposite, and you're also helping kind of uh, 
you know, train them for back of lack of better words into clicking. Right. Um, on to the next step. So if you're enticing, engaging, that's going to help increase your click-throughs and engage in the rest of the message. So like your stats are showing, you know, the time on sites increased, maybe the video views are increased, you know, all sorts of different metrics prove that it's the other way. And even when we had, at my former company, you know, we had a email list of 400 plus thousand people, um, we would do that too. We would just something very enticing, maybe, you know, five, six paragraphs or something short and then just kind of open the loop to push them over to the next step instead of dumping a whole sales letter on it because our attention spans are getting less and less online. And if I get a long email in my inbox, chances are I'm not reading it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and, and I found this sometimes even from paying clients or from people who are prospects who are asking for permission to give me a ton of money to join my client family and they'll send these really long emails with these uh two inch tall paragraphs and nine point uh aerial font and i will just yeah. my eyes will just glaze and i'll say too much for email phone call and then po paste the link to my scheduler yep. like won't, won't even read won't even read because my eyes will hurt yeah, and we're in a text message world. Yeah, we are. A text message Twitter, short. Um, and I've learned in everything. If it can be, it just type it as if you would explain it in text. Like I'm looking at my inbox right now, and I'm seeing, you know, one sentence emails, pretty much every single one, with the exception of, like I just booked a hotel, and right. that email is an absolute nightmare. Um, but the rest of them are, I think, the longest one in my inbox right now is two paragraphs, four sentences. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I write longer you know, emails, you read those, you engage in them. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if I and if I have to write a longer email, or if I have to receive a longer email, the things I'm going to be looking to do and the things I'm going to be looking to see are digital literacy. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. I believe you called it salting. I believe is the word you used. Uh, where yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a storytelling type example. Um, I have one client I work with um, who's been a copywriter for 40 years. The guy is brilliant. I mean, he's, he's built businesses. He's managed entire districts of franchises. And it's the guy who's been around. And he's no slacker when it comes to persuasion and getting people to do what you want for the reasons that they feel. Uh, the arrangement mm -hmm. he and I have is he writes his copy. And what I do is I take each one of his paragraphs of his copy and turn it into four separate emails because he just writes long sentences and long paragraphs. So he generates the message and I just reformat it. So uh, he'll, he'll, he'll send something over and he'll wonder, well, what happened to three-fourths of it? And I said, well, in that one email that you were hoping to send out, you basically just created a whole campaign. So I figured we would get seven times the mileage out of it. That's okay. Ever since then, he writes it, and then he sends it over to me to turn into something digitally literate. Yeah. And I, and I love doing that because you can take one paragraph and you can turn it into a sentence with three bullet points and a, and a summary point at the bottom, and it's so much easier to read and it's so much easier to engage. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, myself, even just in my day-to-day -day writing between myself and clients, I'm always looking for opportunities to put bullet points because there's something about bullet points, and then when you keep them short, that really just reaches out to people. We see this also on 
and you know, and I'm going to ask your thoughts on this, you know, from your perspective, like webinar registration pages. I'm still seeing people write all this copy for webinar registration pages, and and if there's a guest expert, we have to make sure we get the whole bio in and everything else. Whereas I found in my personal experience, just across the board, your best webinar registration page headline, one sentence, bullet points, opt in, and do the rest of that stuff through your emails. What are your thoughts on that? Um, firm believer in that. Yeah. Um, there's been studies shown that you, in normal conversation, you have less than seven seconds to capture somebody's attention. Online, it's less than three. Um, so you got to get to the point. People don't read online, they skim. And they just want you to get to the point quicker. What are the key benefits that I'm going to get out of this? Boom, bullet, 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 done. So a lot of times, even on you know, massive companies that we work with, we'll take their big, long pages and we'll break up all the information into easily digestible pieces in the form of bullets. Right. Firm believer in it. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I, and, I, and I have another client too, and I, and I, and I love working with this guy. Uh, he actually, I, I, you know, don't get jealous, Justin, but he pays me to sit on Skype with him while he writes. And uh, the reason he does that is because he finds that he can, he can crank out he can crank out whole sales letters in an hour and they're fantastic sales letters just because he has somebody there with him. And if he needs like to bounce an idea off somebody real quick, it's right there. Or if he wants to just talk out loud and get a reaction to it, I'm there to give him the reaction and it just makes him so much more effective in doing it. And so he'll generate the email copy and it's kind of the same thing where uh, he'll write something that's this one long sentence and then once I clean it up and then I give it to my person to send it out through his uh, email system, it comes back as bullet points. And he said, what happened to the email I wrote? I said, well, you wrote, a, you wrote uh, some great copy. I turned it into an email. It makes sense once he sees the numbers. Yeah. Then. Oh, yeah. Always does. Those don't, those, those don't lie. Right. <laughs> yeah, true. True, true. So before we wrap up here, because we have just a – few minutes. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, one thing I'm just going to say this for my listeners and for, uh, for, and for you as well, Justin, you know, we have three types of interviews here in the Business Creators Radio Show. And I'm just going to come out and say it because I've said it before. Uh, we have the types of interviews that are just really, really, really fast-paced and, and we're both so talkative. We end up talking over each other the whole time and we have so many ideas coming out that the average listener will probably have to listen to the recording five times on iTunes just to get the gist of it. Then we have those where it's very formulaic and it goes specifically by the question. So I ask a question, they give an answer. I ask a question, they give an answer. I have a question, they give an answer. And that's, and that's a fine formula interview too. All of our interviews are great. We've never had a bad one. Uh, then we have interviews like this. And I found it with some of our, with our, our heaviest hitters, some of our biggest people that we have in the Business Creators Radio Show. It starts out as kind of a slow burn. Then when you get to about the 35, 40-minute mark, it just kind of takes off. And you saw what happened there when you know, we started on the topic of subject lines and email readability, and we just start putting out all kinds of ideas. I think our listeners, if you're listening to this live, subscribe to iTunes and go back to listen. you got about six specific tactics you can use with your marketing to stand out from the crowd that apply to emails. Mm -hmm. um, you can apply some of the same things to blog posts. Because digital literacy applies, think about the smartphone view. Um, you can apply it to your sales letters. You can apply it to your social media statuses as well. Because especially with social media, like I see people write these long paragraphs on Facebook, short sentences, bullet point it, make it 
Make it so they can yep. comprehend by scanning. I mean, if you really want to stand out, that's an easy way to do it, if you ask me. Yeah. All right, so... That's, yeah. I mean, that's it. you got to just be different. <laughs> great, great. So I think we have time for one... Allow people to engage with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we have just one more question, you know, time for one more question here real quick, just, you know, one more minute for because we are actually right near at the top here, is if you were to... Uh, if somebody were to come to you right now and uh, you want to give them one tactic that they can use starting today, like they say they've done absolutely nothing so far to work on their conversions. They've done no email marketing, no social media. They don't have a website. Anything, they have nothing. They're just starting out. Of all these things, what's the first step you would take to start growing a business? Find out what the audience, find out what the audience is buying. Yeah, and how would you do um, that? That's, that's the first step. I I, I have uh, an idea go, how I would do it, and uh, you tell me your idea, but you first. Uh, depends on what the product is, but you can go to Amazon. You can search Google for some of the key terms that yep. the product solves. Um, find out what's on Google Shopping. Uh, find the products, the websites, the offers, um, and then wait a couple of days because you're going to get retargeted and see what the offers are um, coming up on your newsfeed on Facebook and different things to really find out what people are. And then I would take some of those top ones and I would go to some spy tools and find out exactly, you know, where they're driving their traffic, exactly. um, where they're driving their traffic, what they're looking for, and then yeah. just then figure out how to make it better. Right. Yeah. So you're, so you're taking a research approach. I would do all those things and I would also you know, I'd host a webinar. Even if I didn't have a list, I'd you know, host a webinar. Uh, because what that does is that gets people engaging with you and it gets them on your list. And what we normally do when we host webinars mm -hmm. is we build in a step, whether it's uh, part of the registration process itself or the follow-up, where they get the opportunity to ask their number one burning question on the topic. And then we make sure that some of our content reflects those questions. And that's a way of getting people to tell you what it is they'll respond to. So, uh, so Justin yep. Christian. I want to thank you so much for being here today. We are actually right here at the top of the hour, but I just wanted to uh, turn the floor over to you for 30 seconds. And uh, anybody that wants to gain more information from you or how you can best work with them, just tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you can find information about me and my company by going to conversionfanatics.com. You can also find links over to Amazon for uh, my book. Um, and you can connect with me directly on social by going to Clixo, C L Y X O dot com slash Justin Christensen, all one word. I love it. Beautiful. And I also wanted to point out for our listeners that if you go to conversionfanatics.com, uh, you may find uh, a great opportunity to get some instantly downloadable information. I know uh, one of the things that I you'll see here sometimes is a, is a slide deck on how to get seven battle-tested ways to double your paying customers in 90 days or less. I'm going to have to go check that out myself. That sounds really good. So, Justin, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. It was my pleasure. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.